The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Welcome to another episode of Wookiee Radio. It's this week, The Smugglers 2. It's just Ken and Mike. How you doing, Ken? Not bad. This is going to be an interesting show for me because the, the topic we're talking about is something I've actually never experienced. But we have a lot of friends to help us talk about it. Yes. And I wanted to get that aspect of people who have, people who haven't experienced it, a full fandom discussion, so to speak. Yeah. And actually, since this is going to be company at the airlock, want me uh, to let them in? J7, let them in, please. Okay, let them in. Well, while they're all coming in here, I think um, what I wanted to do for this week, because this news superseded it, I think next week when Derek's back here, we need to do a full episode of talking Return of the Jedi. Because as of recording, tomorrow is the 40th anniversary of the release of Return of the Jedi. Yep, this weekend is the 40th. It should be an an entire Jedi show for us. But this episode? Yeah, this one's totally different because this news jumped in. We crashed. Star Cruiser, 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 that's not a Star Cruiser, that's a horse. No, it's so apropos now with the Star Cruiser crashing. That's not a Star Cruiser, that's the Halcyon. And um, we are going to be discussing the Halcyon tonight. Uh, big announcement came last week. Uh, almost bigger news than the other announcement that came out of Florida with Disney last week. Um, I, I would say this definitely super, superseded that. Um, but we have Elizabeth, Martin, Christine, Drew, all participants of the experience on the Halcyon. Um, Martin, Christine, and Drew also are the hosts of the show Heroes of the Halcyon. Um, I apologize, Elizabeth. Do you are you on? Do you run a show, or is just your Instagram? Oh no, I'm just a big nerd here. Yeah. Okay, 
also to company from um, our partner of the Weeby Geeks Podcast Collective and on Sorcerer Radio, Jeff Davis from DW60. Hey, Mike. And from Mighty Marvel Geeks and Sorcom Review on Sorcerer Radio, Eric Allen. How's everyone doing? I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> Hanging in there. It's been a rough week. Oh, uh, rough week is what? understatement. <laughs> I am unstable coaxium. Yeah, same. Well, I, I, this week has been the longest year on record since COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, big news. I, I, I guess it, is, it was kind of after I got the news, it almost turned into my little joke. How do you sink a star cruiser? You announce a final cruise. <laughs> final, final sailing September 28th through 30th on the Halcyon. It, um, the it, it's definitely mixed emotions all around. Um, it can't say we all haven't seen the writing on the wall that this was most likely going to happen. For some, it's happening. It, it took a little longer than expected. Others sooner than expected. I don't know who would have expected it to happen before now. Like that doesn't really make. I don't know. Uh, I, I will. I mean, okay. I know all the whatever people want to say about it. I'm talking about from the perspective of putting a certain amount of money into something and waiting a certain amount of time for it to be profitable. It doesn't seem like that unusual of a thing. So I don't know. I'm stunned by the fact that this has happened so soon. My shock was more of um, we didn't see we didn't physically see outside. Of, I don't I don't know behind the scenes what they did. But we didn't see them do more to try to save it before they made the decision just to shut it down. They didn't adjust prices. They didn't do, you know what I mean? They didn't yeah. do anything that you would think would possibly drum more business into this. Because we, uh, we've discussed it on here multiple times that we think the major failing was the price point. Okay. Now, so if they dropped that price point, even by a couple hundred, or say, so, um, make it so it's like 3500 for a room. They still would make money on this. And they'd probably start filling up the hotel again. Right. You you use the word failure. And I just want to put out there, top of show, and I'll probably say this again. The Star Cruiser itself did not fail. No, the business model did. The What failed was Disney with the marketing. Mm -hmm. What failed was Disney with the high expectations that they had of guests. And all of this goes back, I hate to say it, to kind of the first Iger era. And and Chape carried it over. And then when and I know this may be sacrilege for me to say as a cast member, um, but having been part of opening team and or launch team for the cruiser, even discussions with my family after seeing the you know, them getting to experience an open house before the Star Cruiser opened, the critique was don't see how this is gonna be sustainable with the pricing the way it is. So to go back, yes, a lot of us who were there in different lines of business were seeing this is a great product. It's best Disney has ever done. But is it going to last? And a lot of us who, who believe in the project still kind of deny that it's closing because we see what the potential is. We see what the expectations can be and where it could go. And we just have too much. F we, we've seen it. 
worked it we know how it how it works and it just this is the john carter this is the solo star wars story Mm -hmm. of the disney parks well like you said this goes back to um Iger's first run remember when they bought star wars especially when they first started making disney star wars they put out the force awakens and it made billions of dollars they made the next two in the series which most people consider a lesser product and it still made billions of dollars so they're assuming we don't care it doesn't matter what it is if we put star wars on it it's going to make money yeah that's what star solo was the first one that they're like wait a minute maybe that's not going to work exactly the way we think it is the problem is they pushed ahead with the star cruiser under the same philosophy that um i mean star cruiser everything i've seen from it is it a phenomenal experience? Like you said, the Star Cruiser itself is phenomenal. It's perfect. It's awesome. But they still figured we don't. Doesn't matter how much we charge for it. It says Star Wars. People are gonna buy it forever. It's the same thing they did with Solo. And Solo, when the box office came in, they're like, "Wait a minute, what? What? What happened?" And they, I think, at this point, they still don't know why Solo um, failed at the box office. Well, obviously, they don't listen to Wookie Radio because we've said it quite a few times. <laughs> Uh, it came out too soon after Last Jedi. Yeah. Ron Howard wanted to push it back. They said no. Even if it got pushed back from a Memorial Day release to a Labor Day release, I think that would have salvaged Solo because there was no way they were going to move it to Christmas with Mary Poppins Returns, which, talking about another thing that was supposed to happen at Epcot, has been scratched completely. Why? Because even though the character is popular, the movie bombed. And I mm-hmm. don't think it's been doing great on Disney Plus either. So well, if we're going to talk about the greater context of a time when something is released, I think it's definitely worth mentioning that all of this happening right at the end of the pandemic and during the pandemic was certainly not ideal. Regardless, I mean, yes, it's very it's a very expensive price point. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been sustainable regardless, but it it also had to overcome the hurdle mm-hmm. of opening during a pandemic when when people are struggling financially, when there's a hell of a lot of inflation going on and uh, all that stuff. I, I will say from the get go, from when we officially opened doors, March 1st to 2022, there was a no no mask were required if you were on the ship at all it was an optional thing Mm -hmm. that was not the case when i first started there a month before we were still having to wear masks well so i I got to see the star cruiser last september and that was the first time i really went out in public without a mask because i'm like well if i'm gonna catch it somewhere i might as well be here it might as well be worth it (laughs) well we, we can add something to that is there was a big concern for us because a large part of Star Cruiser is the interactivity with your mm-hmm. character, with the other characters. We weren't sure were we going to have to wear masks at Star Cruiser, and were the you know other performers going to have to wear masks? Which would again, health first. You got to keep the cast members safe. But if everyone's wearing masks, that really does cut down on the immersive aspect of this experience. So that, I do think, stopped a lot of people from jumping in right at the get-go. In the beginning, actors were wearing masks, and you were still able to interact with the masks. Well, masks or no masks. I'm also just talking about the, you know, long-term financial consequences that the pandemic had on a lot of individuals. And where they're going to spend their money, the, the money they have to spend on something like that is maybe different than it would have been if this had happened at a different time. Yes. I, I, I agree. So that's important. 
I think it would be foolish not to mention it. Uh, Jeff, Eric, feel free. Whoever wants to go first. Eric, go ahead. Okay. Um, my initial thought, brilliant concept, beautiful execution. I played the old Star Wars role-playing game a lot when I was in college. This is the old D6 version from West End Games. West End, yep. And the thought of essentially spending 48 hours, 44, I know, but I'm rounding up, you know, spending a couple of days basically doing a live-action version of that, I mean, it's it would be heaven on earth. But like Mike, like you said, Disney failed it. And it does go back to the first Iger era because Iger decided he was going to chase whales worse than Captain Ahab. And I think Disney, in following that philosophy, overestimated the number of people willing to pay that much for two days of role play. Jeff? Well... You know, uh, I, I called it this this past week on my show. Uh-huh. I, I called it the Galactic Star Tragedy because it is a tragedy what has happened to this fantastic venue. Disney had one heck of an idea, and they made that idea a reality for one of the largest fan bases on the planet. The Star Wars fan base is absolutely unbelievable. And the story from episode one to the very last room and whatever, you know, animated show you want to watch or anything, the stories are fantastic. And that's what Disney's target audience was. And then they didn't make it possible for the majority of that fan base to come and be a part of the Star Wars story. Where else could you possibly do that? Nowhere, but Disney made it possible, but they didn't make it possible for the average vacationing family that comes to Walt Disney World, which is their bread and butter when they come there. And so, yes, the initial first you know, reaction is, oh, we got to go. We got to go. Oh, oh, gosh, it's going to cost us $6,000. All right, well, we got we to gotta save. We got to save. We got to save. Maybe they'll come out with a discount. Maybe they'll do that. Disney didn't do any of that until it was too late. They said, DVC members, discount. Annual pass holders, discount. A couple of months after a year, we're closing it and everybody's going, well, well, hold on a second. Wait, I was almost there. I was almost there. I almost got on board. And now that opportunity is gone. So now they've come to, you know, a decision of closing it. And I'm sure we'll probably discuss this later, but what's next for it? Yeah. Is it just going to be a building or is it just going to be a tax write-off and leveled? Now, I, I'm going to preface here again with this show. Yes, I'm a Disney cast member here at Walt Disney World. No, I know nothing about what's going on afterwards. I've heard nothing. Mike, can I ask you a quick question? As sure cast, yeah. uh, and, and a person who has, you know, worked on the Star Cruiser. Did you find out from Disney or did you find out via Instagram like everybody else did? <laughs> I, neither. I found, I found out from a good friend of Eric and I's who works for Marvel as a freelancer mm. in a text message oh, 30 minutes after. 30 minutes after. 30 minutes after. I hate that, and, I hate that for the cast members. And, and here, here uh, th- this is the exact text that I got. Uh, you know, I should have just done search on the phone. <laughs> there it is. Um, Galactic Star Cruiser, we hardly knew ye, RIP. 
which literally my response back was what <laughs> uh from yeah, when i first saw the headline i thought um i was checking the date <laughs> make sure it wasn't like april 1st or something from friends a good friend of mine who's still there and works there off and on he was told five minutes before the announcement first went out on twitter by an outside source wow mm. At least the Lake Nona project, they were given a 30-minute heads up before it was being announced publicly. <laughs> uh, sad when a 30-minute heads up mm-hmm. is better than what you got. From another manager at work who has a lot, who was involved in elements of design or the for elements of the show at the Star Cruiser and has a lot of strong ties to a lot of the Imagineers. The Imagineers were who had been involved with the project and still active with the project, you know, to help make, keep it in that maintain mode. We're all blindsided as well. So all these rumors of people going, Oh, we heard, we we were told something three months ago about a change. Uh Uh-uh. False. I will, I will, I will attest to that. I pretty much have gotten that verified. And I say that because of the line of business I'm in, any changes to the, to the, to the show, to the, to the theme would affect my line of business more than any other line of business on that ship. And we would, if there was something that was coming this fall, we would have already been involved in the works. And for people to be told three months, three months ago that there was going to be creative changes. Uh, I don't know. I, I call BS. Well, actually I'm going to take advantage of using the button that I have. I call <laughs> just point blank. Um, no, it, it, it was not happening. I, I, yeah. So there, there is at least one show that's releasing an episode tomorrow night as we're recording that I'll be listening to on Friday just to, just to hear some information. So, um, there were Imagineers on the May the 4th cruise. Yep. And I'm, and I, even with their NDA, our NDA with the company, any changes? There wouldn't have been leaks, but there would have been teases because it, it would have been something that's just too exciting to go. Oh, you've been here twice. You've been here four times. Wait till you see what's coming next. That's all we can say. Wait till you see what's coming next to, to try and get people to get that return. Sure. I'm it, just trying to wrap my head around somebody going more than twice. Well, I mean, we can okay. tell you all about it if you want. <laughs> y'all, I think I think that was always before it closes. It was always my question because I never had the chance to go, wanted to go. But was there a value in doing a repeat cruise? Because from the outside looking in, it just it, it just looked like the same old thing. Everybody oh, would yeah, come off. You know, with the, with the same, you know, type of story. But then at the same time, I hear from so many other people, the story could have ended in so many different ways, yes. depending on how much you were involved on the Halcyon, which brought together the ending of the entire cruise, pretty much. And so, but how many times could you really do it? How many times could Disney resell that, but not add new elements at the same time? At least four. At least four. At least four, because there are four different tracks. There's smuggler, uh, smuggler slash heist, Jedi, first order, and resistance. It's, it's not even that though. There's more to it than that because you have different there people is. on there every time, and it's so bespoke. It's so improv- improvisational. 
that you're going to get a distinct experience no matter how many times you do it because the story is is important but it's the little moments that are almost more important than the story per se and that's what disney failed to sell that's what yeah. i was going yeah. to say that's that, something that i right never here. heard them say you know never heard them right. promote that a different experience almost every time you go yeah. We, we've actually started calling them shoulder tap moments where one of the characters comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder. I'm in trouble. I need help. Will you help me on a mission? And you're whisked off on some incredible thing. One on one, sometimes even with these characters, there's no feeling in the galaxy like that. And they never touched that in any of the market that how personal this is. Yeah, it's it's the the statement that I always go back to is it's just like the Matrix. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see for yourself. <laughs> and, and really, 100%. yeah, and really, how do you market something like that? I mean, I'd love to talk more about the marketing detail, but yeah, the failure to market the fact that this is such a personal experience uh, is is not so much a it, failure is the weird word, right? Because yeah, they failed to market that, but how do you market that? That's, I that's feel like if they challenge. tried to if they tried to market it like that, it would come across as disingenuous. Like it, it you wouldn't believe it until you actually experience it. I I, right? I think if they had Gaia with arm with hands open, there's a red pill and a blue pill. <laughs> I, I, uh, how, how do you sell what's never been sold is really the question yeah and if you look back at the early days their first attempts to market it were very traditional and uh <laughs> it, it caused the problems that it caused we, we i'm sure we've all we're all familiar with some of those those marketing attempts and that's because again as martin as martin said how do you sell what's not been sold they they didn't know what to do uh because no one had ever done this before hearsay has it there was conversations back and forth between yellow shoes and chapik was email from chapik to yellow shoes going uh hello <laughs> what's this and yellow shoes replying back uh hello <laughs> yeah what is this this wasn't us so somebody else on their own did that outside of yellow shoes well the question to me isn't how isn't so much how do you market this but how do you counter the people who said who keep calling it the star wars hotel yeah yeah, I maybe, mean, because the media didn't help with that. No, the media did not help with that. And it seems to me that Disney really dropped the ball by not getting out in front of that, not going on Good Morning America or yep. CNN or whatever and saying this is more than just a place to sleep at night. Right. This is where you have personalized adventures in the Star Wars universe. This is as close as you will ever get to being in a Star Wars movie. And the sad part is there was a media cruise where Good Morning America was here, did a full cruise, broadcasted from the ship, and it still did not come across right. Well, it's Good Morning America. I mentioned Good Morning America because it's pretty much a Disney property. Yeah. Right. All all marketing had to do was call up ABC and go, hey, we need a puff piece on the Star Cruiser. We need more puff pieces on the Star Cruiser. And you can't tell me they wouldn't get it. I, I think Eric had it right, is they just failed to get in front of the primary message. This isn't a hotel. The fact that you sleep there is almost inconsequential. It's just a necessary function to stay immersed in the story. That Eric's 100% right. They failed to get in front of that very important point. 
Well, if you remember, uh, before it even opened, all of the media and things that was out before the first cruise was showing off the rooms, hotel rooms. Yeah, yeah. They they kept all of the show pieces of the Star Cruiser under wraps until they actually launched the first cruise or the preview cruises. Yep. And even yep. then, the people that did the preview cruises didn't really talk about the show as much as look at these rooms. This is awesome. So it still looked like just a hotel with a sideshow. Well, my question is how many of these people that went on the preview cruises knew they knew that this was an adventure. They knew this was a, a story and that it was more than just about your cabin. They, a lot of them didn't know until they got there. See, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, if they don't know, like say, Hey, at 3 AM, you can go out in the hallway and you can get accosted by the captain and whisked off to your own personal adventure. They're, they're not going to do it. They're not going to, they're going to say, okay, well, it's 9 PM, 10 PM. It's bedtime. I'm going to get in my room. I'm going to, you know, do a video tour around it. So on and so forth. They didn't know to market it as something other than a hotel either. And whose fault is that? Well, and part, sorry, part of the problem too is that the initial media cruise was only four hours. That's true. Yeah. It wasn't the full 48 hour experience. Uh, So if you take 48 hours and, and squeeze them into four, you're, you're definitely not getting the full experience because part of it is your, your relationship that you're building with the cast and crew as the story goes on. You can't really get that across in such a short period of time. Actually, I can say um, it was the week beginning February 20th, 2022 is when the media, when the media cruise occurred, that was the full two night experience, three day from check-in to check-out with well, full show with everything. Also, you got to think, with that media cruise, probably a majority of them are mainstream media. They're not Star Wars fans. Like, we are huge Star Wars fans. We're going to look in every nook and cranny and see every detail we can find. Uh, These guys are there just to see what's going on in general. They don't, they're not. Uh, many of them are not Star it, Wars fanboys and fangirls. If I remember correctly, that cruise was national media. A lot of Star Wars and Disney influencers that were invited by Lucasfilm. Because yeah. I know a show that was there and their invite came from Lucasfilm. Um, I mean, it was a little bit of everything. Yeah. Influencer and the only thing not there were travel agents. But we well, yeah. think um, even influencers, the mainstream media the, um, is going to way bury them when it comes to um, eyeballs on the story. Right. The, and that's the, the, problem. I, the main eyeballs on the story were looking at the mainstream media and they were totally confused on what was going on. Well, and I think the, the thing that hurt by bringing all the different influencers on is n- nine. I'm guessing here, but 90% of the influencers are Disney influencers, not, yeah. not Disney Star Wars influencers. That, that was one of the biggest issues that I had because there were some who just walked in there and, and when you, you know, watch their vlogs or anything else, they just looked clueless to the entire Star Wars universe as a whole. So how am I as a consumer, a person that wants to pay to do this experience going to get the proper info that I need from somebody who doesn't have a clue as to what really Star Wars right. is and what it means to its fan base and what you're there to experience. 
Makes no sense whatsoever. I, I want to put that on, on hold real quick because I know Elizabeth has to jump off here soon, correct? Yeah, in just a minute. So I would I would love to hear from you, your experience on the ship. And let's go ahead and get um, what you would hope or would like to see happen with, with the ship after this initial closing. Well, I guess I'll say as far as my experience on the ship, um, I guess as a person, I've always kind of been looking for an escape hatch from reality. And I've always been interested in the art of cultivating a certain type of experience for somebody that's kind of above reality. Like I've bounced around working in the film industry a little bit, and I actually work at an attraction right now um, in Atlanta where I live. But I don't know that I would be doing the job, the specific job that I'm doing right now if I hadn't gone on the Star Cruiser. And I have an edge at my job every single day because I experienced that. And it completely changed my perspective as to what's possible in an environment like that and how important it can be to the people you interact with who are there with you, whether it be for a couple of days or a few hours. And... I don't know. It's just—it's the kind of thing that I dreamed of as a child, being able to run off to like a movie, a movie universe. So, yeah. You know, I don't want to, you know, delve into too much detail right now before I run off. But that's the summary, I guess. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It would break my heart for them to not use it for anything. Um, I would like to see them repurpose it in some fashion. I mean, I know lots of people are saying, well, if it just becomes a Star Wars hotel, that would be really sad. And while I agree with that, I would also rather see it become that than have it be empty and be nothing. So I I, I don't know. I I guess they shot for the moon and made it, but we're not ready. It's like it's like we're not ready for it yet, I guess. People aren't ready for it yet. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's people aren't ready for it yet. Well, maybe that's just Di- how I'm trying to Disney, explain it to myself. Disney doesn't know how to make it ready for people yet. That's the issue. So uh, I know you got to go. Where can people find you online and also find the plans for that awesome Lego mini Halcyon that you built? Because I got to get um, those plans myself because I'm going to make one. I am making it. Okay, great. Um, so I'm on Instagram mostly. Um, I It's a funny respelling of my name, E-L-I-H-Z-B-A-H. Uh, so that's where you can find me on, on Instagram mostly. Uh, that's where I post the most. And that is where I have posted instructions to make your own mini Lego Halcyon. Awesome. And uh, thanks for having me on to talk about it a little bit. I'm sorry I can't stay longer. It was nice seeing the heroes again. Good to see all three. Good to see you. So good to see you. Thank, thank you for joining us, Elizabeth. Glad you were able to come on and, and share for a little okay. bit. Yeah, thanks, guys. And, uh, you know, um, what, we're all going to hang in there, right? Of course we are. Okay. okay. All right. Peace out. So uh, getting back to, to you, Jeff. Sorry, I derailed. I was just looking at time and wanted to make sure Elizabeth oh, no, got that's fine. No problem at all. Um, no, I just, I just really was just very disappointed in Disney's selection when it came to um, previewing uh, the Star Cruiser and uh, the influencers that they decided to, uh, you know, invite there. Who just, who again, just seemed clueless, and 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 it went on to, like you guys said, uh, having the mainstream media out there, and 
watch them pick and choose all the wrong points mm-hmm. to show the world what the Star Cruiser is all about. And that's that's really just all that I saw. And then when you, you try to get people on there who are just worried about the food, it's, it's more than just the food. Why are you inviting somebody who's just a food blogger? That doesn't do me any good. That doesn't do the family of four any good when they want to visit something like this. So I, again, the marketing, like you guys have been saying, is just all wrong. I'm wondering if um, now D- Disney's owned Star Wars for what, 11 years now? And they put a lot of content out. But if you look in general, how they're, it almost feels like the um, big bad mouse still can't understand what it is they actually bought. When they bought it, they, they treat, they've treated Star Wars. They're like, oh, well, we've had Marvel for this. Much, and look at what we've done with Marvel. Because when they first started the, the Star Wars movies, they tried to follow a similar um, model to Marvel. Let's put everything, let's change everything so it's all in one canon. Everybody can understand it. We can, um, and then we'll put movies out every every six months or so, just like Marvel was doing at the time. And we'll make, we'll double our money of what Marvel's making. And not realizing Star Wars is a totally different entity. The right. Star Wars fan community is a totally different entity. And even to this point, 11 years later, they still, as a company, don't understand what it is they have. There's certain people that understand. Right. But Disney as a corporation, it, Mar- Star Wars has never been a corporation entity. Well, Dan, Dan said it best on our 300th episode, uh, Dan Madsen. Star Wars is an event, not not what it's turned into. I mean, every film with the original trilogy, the the, two, the three, the two year build up to that year three of the release was an event. Mm-hmm. We didn't get that. With the sequel trilogy, every other year, no, no. And, and then and then you're throwing and then you're throwing, which to me were the better films, the, the Star Wars stories in between the saga stories. And I will I will admit, I looked more, I looked forward more to seeing Rogue One and Solo than I did seeing the sequel trilogy. You know what amazes me is how well the Star Wars universe stood on its own two feet years upon years after Return of the Jedi. And then once again, stood on its own two feet for years without Disney after Revenge of the Sith. So why is it that Disney can't figure that out and sell it? Okay, I would just kind of like to tag on to something Jeff said uh, earlier about not having the right influencers on board for this for this influencer cruise. I think Disney still underestimates the amount of Disney fans that refuse to accept Star Wars and Marvel as, quote, Disney. We st- we have still – I see it pretty much every – at least once a week where something gets posted in a Disney internet group about Star Wars or Marvel, and you'll inevitably see somebody – I don't think that's considered Disney. I don't like that. I don't think Star Wars should be in the parks. I don't think Marvel should be in the parks because it's not Disney. And yeah, if you invite people who just have that narrow definition of Disney, you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get. Oh, on Facebook, I'm a part of a couple different Disney podcast groups and they'll do, oh, post your shows, post your shows, your latest episodes. Cool. Post up Mighty Marvel Geeks. Post up Wookiee Radio. Those aren't Disney shows. Uh, hello, they're on Disney+. Plus. If you look at the Disney umbrella, Marvel and Lucasfilm are there. So yeah, they're Disney shows. 
mm-hmm. just focused on Star Wars. I'm just focused on Marvel. It's no different than if I had a show that was just focused on Pixar or just focused on Muppets. Those two are Disney shows, Disney related podcasts. If I did a show that was just focused on National Geographic, that's still a Disney focused show. Sorry, it's at not the point, parks. At this point, if you did an alien predator show, you have a Disney show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that's who I want to see on the Star Cruiser. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> all, all those MASH podcasts. Yes, Princess Klinger is a part of the Disney family. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, going back a little bit to what Jeff was saying towards the end of there, how um, the Disney corporate trying to figure out and can't figure out the Star Wars can run on its own um, until, like I said, 11 years ago when Disney bought it. Start, and most people, I don't think it ever dawned on them that Lucasfilm was still an independent film company. They were indie film. They were not part of the Hollywood machine, technically. The, I mean, Lucas hated the um, he purposely left the Hollywood machine to make Star Wars. And hence how Tucker, a man in his dream came about because mm-hmm. that was his anti-union movie. Yeah. He wanted to, be, he wanted to be able to make whatever movie he wanted. Yep. And that's what built star Wars until he was ready to retire. The problem is Disney will never let it do that. And will because they're a corporation, they can't let it stand on its own and figure its way out. I think they could because they have with Marvel. The problem I think is they're trying, they paid more for Lucasfilm in the Lucasfilm library than they did for Marvel. Yes. And they were trying to get more, more return from the purchase faster, thinking that they could do that with Star Wars because of the, the merchandise machine that it is. Merchandising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I don't think we could, we could go into detail more of how the how things failed, slipped yeah. through the cracks, whatever. Um, but I, I will say any, this is a chance for any final comments about the closing itself and where the failure may have been. People just didn't know about it. The number of people we meet on a weekly basis that have no Star Wars fans, we're talking level nine or 10 Star Wars scale fans that have no knowledge that this thing even exists. We're in the Disney parks themselves talking to people about this and they have never heard of it. <laughs> That's, it it's stunning to me how many Star Wars fans just this isn't even on their radar. Um, when I came back from my medical leave in January, of course, I had my, my two different opening team jackets wearing them through the back at Epcot. You were like, where'd you get that jacket? That's a cool jacket. I'm like it's opening team, opening team of what star cruiser, the, the what? It's like, what rock have you been under? Well, never mind. I know what rock because Disney has put that rock there. Yeah. And that's actually a really great way to put it. I mean, I don't want to start conspiracies here, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not exaggeration. The, the fact that there wasn't a massive publicity campaign where uh, I don't I can't think of a national advertising campaign designed around this experience. Uh, we mentioned a puff piece uh, from ABC. They didn't do a standard. Uh, let's do a half hour show where we're going to, um, you know, visit the old days of Donny Osmond coming to the park. They never did something like that with uh, the Star Cruiser. And they could have very easily. Why didn't they do that? The closest. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead, Eric. They could have done exactly that, Drew. They could have brought in like Oscar Isaac, um, 
Mark Hamill, anybody from any of the Star Wars. You could have brought in Ahmad Best and and put the Jar Jar Binks you know mask on him, have him walking around doing a half hour show, and I think they would have done better than what they did. The closest they got with that, because um, I know they had Ashley Eckstein. They did have Oscar Isaacs because I was there the day he filmed his segment and watched him step off the elevator into the atrium for the first time and was almost in tears because of how well done it was. And I think the comment that was floating around that he said was, this is so much better than what we had on set. Well, and, and these are when they did pieces for Disney Parks blog. Yeah. Well, they did do the um, hour and a half special at the very right before it opened. But that was um, I think that was buried somewhere on Disney Plus when they put it out. Yeah, but it's, it's not just on the Star Cruiser, though. Well no, well, no, this was Galaxy's Edge. No, there isn't one for They did it for Galaxy's Edge. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they and, never and, did it for Star Cruiser. And there and there's like five minutes of Star Cruiser mentioned at the end. Yeah. I mean, you'll sit there and you'll do this huge production number for the show that used to be at Epcot Harmonious live orchestra <laughs> singers and everything else. You went all out of the way there during the 50th to do this. Mickey Spotify playlist. Yeah, pretty much. But where, where was that live action experience and preview of the star cruiser with cameras going and following, you know, characters throughout the ship, you know, Hey, we need for you to do this when you come, Hey, th- we need for you to do this and not just show me the, the, the cabin, the small cabin that I'm going to be staying in because I hear that they were not very big, but I think, it would, I think it would have been so much better with all of the people that watch Disney plus these days to be able to see a live event like that and then go back and say, Hey, you need to watch this. You need to watch this. You, you know, even if, uh, and, and the heroes, uh, may agree with me, even if the live event was of the droid bolting of night one, that, the night one finale show, even if it was that, I still think it'd be enough to entice people in and, and not do the finale show, which has been all over YouTube that definitely would have, I think given away a lot, but I think the, I think the night one finale with the droid bolting is still heavy enough or exciting enough, emotional enough to really be a great here's disney doing a live stream from the ship i would have loved to have seen more than just josh tomorrow on stage showing off a fancy lightsaber because that's really all that i saw all the time of this really cool lightsaber that nobody really gets to ever touch or get close to but that's what you pushed a whole lot uh, okay mike and, you know, <laughs> nobody that, does, that um, does not work there no. <laughs> uh i i will i will bring up this question if they knew at the time of South by Southwest, which was what, late March when that happened? A month and a half ago? Yep. If they knew they were closing the Star Cruiser then, then what was the whole purpose of, of Josh not only igniting the lightsaber, but finally re- retracting the lightsaber? Mm-hmm. What, yeah, what? They also had quite a few panels at Celebration. Uh, we heard about a lot of people who went to Celebration talking about some of the coverage that it received there. Yeah, yeah I, I think this was a decision that um, once they put it on the table, they pulled it off that table and made the and said go for it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. 
they tabled the option, and then everybody on the everybody on the board said go. Yes, yeah. I, I think part of it is, and it is straight up. We know Iger's been trying to cut funds somewhere, and they said, you know what, this one's a whole lot of money, and we're not making much back. Cut it now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to your point, uh, Josh Tomorrow was asked at a recent J.P. Morgan conference. He was asked about the announcement, and one of the things he mentioned was to expect a 100 to 150 million dollar depreciate accelerated depreciating uh, accelerated depreciation hitting in quarter three and quarter four. So they're going to take this as a as a as, as a, a basically a tax write off in quarter three and quarter four. Uh, and, and don't get me started on what that means. That what's going to happen to the hotel after that? <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I believe nothing's going to happen. Uh-huh. The, yeah. What I saw today was a 300 million dollar write off. Yeah. Yep. That's right. I, so, I think you hit it right, Mike, when you said it's going to basically be this year's John Carter. It it is, or in the, in the star or in the Star Wars realm, it is solo a Star Wars story. I got to say that's a really good description because I personally think John Carter is a fantastic film that they didn't know how to market that either. Exactly. I've never heard anybody it. that did not enjoy that film. I love that film. I love um, it. But it was terribly marketed. That's a really good. That's a great well, analogy. Yeah, it was terribly marketed because there was no marketing. At all. (laughs) So another aspect about Star Cruiser that's kind of interesting is some parts of it are just hard to photograph. Like the lightsaber training is a really key moment in the experience. And it's really difficult to get that on video. And it doesn't even professionally photographed. It doesn't really convey the experience of like how they convey the force going through the lightsaber and, you know, it, the laser beams, quote unquote, just look kind of hokey on video. They look much better in person. And again, the interaction with the saber and the shields really sells that moment in a yeah. way that video does not convey. Well, it, it goes back to when uh, they did the Rogue One event at Epcot. I was present at the actual I was at Spaceship Earth when they did that whole thing. I think I immediately, was it you, Jeff, I called right afterwards, or it may have been Eric. It's one of the two of y'all. Y'all are like, it looked okay on video. I'm like, oh, it was so much better in person. It was me that you called. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the one. It It was so much better in person. Okay. See, this is with the marketing. It's like the first thing they should have done with the marketing is fine. Let's show some of these things that you do on the ship. But the stuff that they they understand, you're not going to be able to get it on video. They have this little company out in California called ILM that could fix it and actually switch out the live effects for actual effects and make it look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> make it look like the live experience. Well, and, and fortunately, what they ended up doing is they had the kid from the Goldbergs. <laughs> going through the ship oh, and, you know, yeah. showing off the, the yeah. lightsabers and all that kind of stuff. That, and man, that, was, that, that didn't help. That was from oh, the, yeah. that was from the Thanksgiving state of the union. Yeah. And that was a non yellow shoes promotion. That, that all mm-hmm. goes back to the JPEG going, well, what was this? And yellow mm-hmm. shoes going exactly. What was this? <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like to ask aside from the marketing portion, which we all know, you know, just wasn't done well. Where were the Disney executives and who were they listening to when the, the pricing for the Star Cruiser first came out? Every single show, every podcast, every vlog, every blog said this is too ex- expensive. It's just too expensive. And even for those who went and said, yeah, it's definitely worth the money. It's worth the price that you're paying for the experience that you get. It was still too expensive. So where were Disney executives 
when it came to saying, okay, the masses are saying this is what's going on. They can't afford to do this. How can we fix it? Why is it they never attempted to really fix the financial problem for people to enjoy? Well, at the time that was Chapek and his administration and probably just like any other administration at Disney who, oh, let's get, let's send in this petition to get Flick back at Animal Kingdom. (laughs) I got a hundred, I got 500 signatures. Disney doesn't care. They don't don't care. They don't care. That's, that's Mm -hmm. the point because Disney knows they have known in the past that anytime they announce a price increase or introduce something new, there's going to be a lot of people belly aching about, oh, it's too much. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, Disney is pricing out the the average American family. You know, real people can't afford to go to Disney anymore. But nothing ever changes. Right. People still go. People still figure yeah, out how to pay for it. Go. Well, here, here, here's the other fun one. Parks are making profit, right? Mm-hmm. And they're saying record profits this quarter, record profits this quarter. Imagine what the profits would be like if the parks were at 100%. We're still not running 100% capacity. How is that? Well, and and part of the challenge, too, I think, is that because they had something that was, again, that we've said is difficult to market, it's brand new to the market, how, how much more difficult would it have been for them to say, and again, not, not knowing exactly what it costs on a daily basis or for each voyage, but in lieu of coming out at what we're all assuming is the high end of the, their uh, profitability, would it have been better to be closer to maybe not making that big profit right out of the gate and allowing the word of mouth to say, okay, Hurry up and come before our first price increase to this dollar amount. Hurry up before the next price increase to that dollar amount. You know, Disney update, you know, updates their prices to get into the park often enough to where even looking back a year or two years from now, if you really thought about it, you would be flabbergasted at how much you actually pay to go to the park because you're not thinking about it because you're already a fan and you're already invested. When they increase it 10, 20, 30 bucks, you don't bat an eye. Uh, we, I remember, which is hard for me to say, I actually remember a time before I was a cast member that we lived here shortly after my wife and I got married. Park tickets for the two of us, 60 bucks. Right. And that was 26, 27 years ago. And again, nobody would have expected to be an inexpensive trip. I mean, nobody would have, you know, showing everything that they showed, nobody would have gone, well, that's like a $250 vacation. I mean, every, if you, if they had come out of the gate, even at 3000 or $4,000, I think people would have been like, all right, well that, you know, it's expensive, but let's, I really love Star Wars. Let's give it a whirl. And then the word of mouth says, oh, no, 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 no. This is worth every penny. And maybe the clickbait of it's a $6,000 hotel wouldn't have been as aggressive. I don't know. Well, when you can spend $6,000 for a what? uh, Two day, three night experience on the Star Cruiser. I actually actually looked this up. Uh, Around the time of my birthday, two weeks stay. At the Grand Floridian was just under sixty four hundred bucks for two weeks. 
Same thing for your experience that you would get on Disney Cruise Line for $6,000. Imagine the type of the length of the cruise that you could take on Disney Cruise Line for two people for $6,000. Where's that money going to go? It's going to go to the cruise line. ship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of the difference is that, you yeah. know, it's I get it. I mean, we're we're not blind to the fact that it's it's six thousand dollars and it's not something that a lot of people can just pull out of their back pocket but you know with our pot with our podcast we've talked to so many people that the first words out of their mouth are we were so excited to go on this once in a lifetime experience and the next words are we can't wait to go again so it's you, you know the the money piece of it is is a concern, but it's not so much of a concern once you've gone through it that you're not willing to scrimp and save to go again. That's yeah. I'm I, 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 thankful for right? you guys, you know, being able to do that because you're you're part of such an exclusive group now mm-hmm. with this closing that so many other people in the world will never have the opportunity to be able to experience. So what you have, you can now talk about forever and and relive the experience on your show and everything else. But I'm hoping that Disney listens to people like you. Why? Because Disney can do this better and more affordable. I don't want to call the Halcyon a test run. I don't want to call it that. Mm -hmm. But that's what it's turned into, test run. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point gave them a chance to build technology that they had never even dreamed of being able to build before. Yeah. And now what, how is that going to be integrated into the parks and into everything else they're doing? That's my hope. Yeah. I, I would, I wish so much is, and I love galaxy's edge. Don't get me wrong, but so much of the interactive element that you saw on the star cruiser, man, I wish that was in galaxy's edge. Oh, we would yeah. love that. It was supposed, oh. it was supposed to have been. Oh, yep, it would have yep. been so great. So, and it still can be. It can uh, be. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. A lot of the finale show was supposed to be, was reworked from Galaxy's Edge into the Star Cruiser. So, I, like I said, and we've said on here, I've never been to the Star Cruiser. How, in relation, physical relation to where Galaxy's Edge is, it's right, basically right next door to Galaxy's Edge anyway, correct? Yes. So what's the chances going forward that they could, um, one is maybe use the Star Cruiser in multiple different fashions and make it a part of the Galaxy's Edge experience. So like the bars and dining rooms in there could be accessible to regular park patrons and, um, and actually turn it into, I mean, we don't want to see it turn into just a regular resort, but make it a part of the story of Galaxy's Edge that this is a, um, maybe a crashed Star Cruiser or something so that you could book rooms on the Star Cruiser at like it was a resort or um, use other parts of it and some of the experiences in there. Maybe obviously you have to dial back the shows, but well, make it a part of galaxy's edge. This is where I was going to head next. Where do we want to, what we, what would we like to see next with the star cruiser? Well, I, I think a, 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 an elephant in the room is, can we see something? If they're going to write this off in Q3 and Q4, um, you know, the, Warner Brothers can't show Batgirl because it was a tax write-off. They can never, it'll never see the light of day. Um, I don't know what the rules are. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a tax guy, but they're depreciating this entire experience. So let's let's put that out there. But if if we are still able to see something, what would we want to see? <laughs> exactly. Okay, so again, I, I, agree, I agree with Drew that it's probably not, but we've actually talked again with something that Ken just mentioned. We've talked on our show fairly extensively is it could really be worked into a paid add-on to Galaxy's Edge. 
to you know, they've got the transport that goes from Galaxy's Edge to the Star Cruiser, and you make it a day show instead of a two day thing. You charge a couple hundred dollars, and again, they don't get to sleep there, but they could eat in the Crown of Corellia dining room. They could go to the Sublight Lounge. They, they could meet some characters up there. Again, they couldn't do the full missions, of course, but they, they could pare it down into some, some shorter version. Um, I, I think that would actually be kind of cool. I, I do agree with Drew that it probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. I just want to go on the bridge and, and press a couple buttons. That's, I mean, that's really <laughs> all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for anything uh, more than just pull the lever to go into hyperspace. That, that, that's, Jeff, you want to do that so bad. Do that so bad. And that's the part that actually, the, I, the first thing I thought of is that bridge training that you get, that yeah. they're just going to throw that away. Yeah. That, that just confounds me that the technology and the infrastructure and the design and everything that went into that, and they're not going to repurpose that in some fashion because it's brilliant. Um, and, and again, I, I, I think how much would people pay to do it an add-on to Galaxy's Edge for that? That's a, that's another how much is too much question. You know, it sounds like you're talking. I'm sorry. No bad. It, it sounds like w- what you're talking about would be kind of like a extended version of not so scary Halloween party or very merry Christmas party. Yeah. yeah. So you just it, it's a separate ticketed event to spend a day or or even this. I think Mike and I discussed this at one point. Dinner cruises. Well, again, yes, I'm a cast member. Yes, I still have friends and connections over at the cruiser. None of us know anything about what's coming next. This is not a speculation comment from me. This is just a wish for me. And as, as Eric was saying, you got to do something like a hoopty do review. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. You got do two cruises. You do a lunch cruise or a, a lunch show and a dinner show. It's a four hour excursion. You go to the ship, you have your, sh- you, you go sublight, you could check out the bridge, check out the training pod, check out engineering, file into the room for, for your dinner show. I want to afterwards. Play spot. Okay. Right. Afterwards, after the show, still maybe have another hour or so where you could do some shopping from the ship and then, you know, sublight lounge before you leave back to the park. And then you do it again for a dinner show and you do it something similar to hoopty do review. I think that's how you can still do training or bridge training as an add on to that. Yeah. Depending on the time constraints. Um, Yeah. You could, you could. And that would put two sets of people there every day buying merch. Cause let me tell you, people would buy the Halcyon merch if they were there. That's a great idea, Mike. And, And actually when you pick your cruise, this is this is the option we had with um with our cast previews for Galaxy's Edge. We were able to choose either Ogus Cantina or Savi's Workshop, one or the other. Cool. So when you build so when you build your reservation for your dinner show on the Halcyon, you choose bridge training or lightsaber training. So you get a show and a training. You want to do the other training? That's an additional cost. If you want, if you end up doing both trainings, you pay for that second training. But isn't the question though? The amount of the workforce and everything else that goes into a concept like that, does it equal to the amount of money that Disney needs to keep it up and running? At this point in time, if it's a tax write-off and then it's being revamped to this scenario, your operating costs can be very similar to what you had with Spare of Aloha and what you've got with Hoop DJ, with the two dinner shows that we have on property now. I couldn't or the one. Dinner show we have on property now. If they pared it down to this, where they didn't have the um, overnight stay in the rooms, you've just cut out all of your housekeeping staff. You've cut out um, a lot of the um, hospitality staff. 
and you basically cut probably your operating costs by a third, at least, if not a half, just by getting rid of staying on the Halcyon. So yeah. that no matter how much the charges go in, you've already cut the operating costs at least in half, if not more. Tech-wise, tech I think you would reduce your technicians down by about a th- maybe a third. Yeah. Well, like I said, I don't know the staff of the Halcyon, but I, I guarantee right now, because of the way the size is and just the way hotels in general work, your hospitality and um, housekeeping staff is probably at least half the workforce that's there, if not more. Because you got to think the actors that are there, there's only what, maybe 100? And that's probably, that may be a little high. I don't know. I've not seen the shows. Text, how many texts in general? You th- are you probably less than 50 texts for the building? <laughs> yeah, Take a lot less than 50. <laughs> a okay. lot. I, I will say is in current stage, it's nine texts run a show or okay. run the day on a cruise. So running this whole hotel, you're probably under 100 for your entertainment staff, including uh, well, front of the house and back of the house, both. You're uh, under 100. Entertainment alone, yes, you are well, you are under 50 a day. So, so I know there's managers and stuff, but it's like that's basically for this type of hotel, it's your hospitality staff and housekeeping all together or the entertainment. If the entertainment is not that much, hospitality and um, the cooks and all that, you're over, well over 100 people. So if you're cutting that side of it, you all of a sudden you've cut a whole lot of money out of this thing. You've also cut a lot of what makes it I – and mean, I'm not talking yeah. just the interactive piece. My my fear if they did something, they'd have to do something a little bit more because if you take away the, the cast and you take away a little bit of it, uh, my fear is that it kind of turns into the generic sci-fi ship experience mm-hmm. that people derided it as before they went on board and saw what it was like. Uh, so they'd have their challenges ahead of them if they wanted to do something like this to make it um, – something that that would attract star wars fans um uh you know they may they, they get to shoot down some uh, tie fighters on the bridge and they get to you know play with the lightsabers but there's not a lot more that makes it really star wars when you take out a lot of the other pieces that's the tricky part i don't know if medieval times can do it there's no reason why disney can't do it I mean, there, there's a character named wani that's a rodian the the greedo species and this character, she's stunningly, beautifully, I mean, the mouth articulates. The yes. mask is just incredible. I mean, to stand in front of this creation, it's incredibly it's effective character work. You, you're standing next to a, the, a Rodian. And I think that that would, and, but I do agree with Drew that, you know, you start pulling the Star Wars moments out and it does become more generic. You're, you're, he's 100% correct on that. Um, but to, to have people just stand near Wani I pay to just do that. Yeah. It's that good. Uh, I will say I was doing rough number figuring entertainment staff, and I'm not counting costuming because I don't know the exact costuming numbers or cosmetology numbers because costuming and cosmetology are in the same department, same department outside of all that you're looking at about 37 to 40 actors, management technicians in a, in a day. Yeah, so if On it site. becomes day crews like you're talking about, that's the that's the main part of the staff you need to keep. Yeah. Like I said, your hospitality now your um concession well, there'd be the concession staff, but your cooks and the dining staff you need to keep. But like I said, all the hospital or all the um hospitality, all of the um, housekeeping, most of that can go. That's that's probably most of their cost right now. Uh I think the hospitality side would re- be replaced by might be replaced by um opera uh like attractions people because it mm-hmm. then turned into an attraction so to speak yeah with the transport uh i think guest services could be in conjunction with 
merchandise, so to speak, possibly, because they, if they really wanted to, they could throw another cash register there if they needed to, to help, especially with that, that amount of merch being sold. And if they had two sets of people per day, instead of one set of people per three days, they'd sell a whole lot more merch. Yeah. Is there any possibility that it could become a deluxe resort? Uh, I don't think so. They they lack laundry facilities. Uh, they lack windows. They don't have a pool. <laughs> yes. They don't have a lot of what makes a hotel uh, something that that you know people would like to go visit at a hotel. I, I've I've heard someone say, "Oh, it'll get turned into a Star Wars hotel." No, because there's not enough rooms. Yeah, and, yeah there's only hundred rooms, right? Yeah. And someone said, well, they can always add more rooms. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, they can't. Yeah, they'll just build two or three more floors above. Yeah. Unless you go up, there's no way of adding more rooms at the property you're at and still feel like you are within the confines of a star cruiser based on the way it feels right. You, you, In order to keep it a ship without creating a brand new ship that you that the hotel is becoming you cannot add more room. there's no way of adding more rooms there, there's just absolutely no way i would say that was probably another design flaw and and i say that as in you didn't ha- you may you should have planned for a larger contingent at a whack yeah there doesn't there doesn't appear to have been a plan B. That's that's one of the no, things wasn't. that's just amazing about this is that Disney really went all in on this. And in the back of our head, Martin and Christine and I have, have talked about this on the show, and we talked about this in our breakfast meetings when we were planning our trips. Uh, they must have a plan B. They must have some way of, of of pivoting if something goes wrong. But all signs point to them just going one hundred percent in on this. Well, that also brings up the point I did at the very beginning of the show here, where I'm shocked that we've not seen Disney try to do something yeah. to change this situation. Yeah. It's, yep. it, from the outside looking in, like I said, we don't know internally what they're doing. And Mike doesn't even know what they're doing. I don't think they knew what they were doing internally. But um, inter- out externally, there's the, I, I've not, I know I have not seen anything that looked like they were trying to save this. Closest thing was, oh, we've listened to the fans. And we're going to cut it to two cruises a week and cover the weekend. And even then, even then they were advertising Thursday through Sunday. That's impossible. It would have to be the two cruises, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's the only way you could do the two cruises. See, that makes me wonder how all in they were on making this work to begin with. I mean, I know I'm, I know I'm beginning to go into tinfoil hat territory, but it's almost like they were looking for an out. They were looking for an excuse to shut this down. Almost they, as if it was a vanity project by one person on the board and the rest of the board will go, well, we're not that big on it, but we'll give you a shot. But the the moment it doesn't look like it's going to succeed, we're shutting it down. They were expecting this is the this is just the gut feeling I have being here. It felt like the expectation was they were going to get their money or get a big chunk of it in six months in the first six months because, oh, it's sold out. I know what cruise numbers were like or a lot of that. I will not go into details, but I will tell you it was. Sorry. It was the NDA train telling you, <laughs> yep. you to get off the track. No, 
<laughs> that, this, this, that was an update of, uh, of game four of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL. And the uh, Florida Panthers, for the first time since 1996, are going back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Wow. So, Hockey, that's the one with uh, the soccer ball? No. <laughs> no. Hey, at least it does have nets at either end. Yes. <laughs> it's rugby, but on ice. <laughs> Or lacrosse on ice. It's a fist fight with sticks. Yeah, that's that, smart. That's basketball. Basketball doesn't use the sticks. Have you watched the NBA recently? <laughs> <laughs> um, the- uh, but when Eric said, you know, uh, for Disney to look for an out to close this thing down and get rid of it. Ultimately, I, I, I think you're you're really on track with that. And I think that's why the building itself is going after you know, September is over with. The building is going to sit there like the legendary year buildings did for so long and nothing is going to happen with it until Disney is ready to level the whole thing. Yep. They already know how to do the technology over again. They already know how to do so many different things. Why do we really need to save it? And, and I've, I foresee another building going that way, not at the Star Cruiser, but somewhere else. And I'll mention it after show. Uh, speaking of which, final thoughts. I, I have to say real quick that that if anybody has a chance, I mean, anybody listening, uh, we understand this is a very expensive experience. Uh, we understand that it, sacrifices are have to be made by a lot of people in order to do it. But uh, I I can't in good conscience tell anybody out there, you know, go into debt and you know make your life worse for for to go. But if you have a chance and you're able to get on the cruiser, it is something that you likely will not regret and you won't be able to do something like this for who knows how long. So uh, if you're able to, 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 to go, you, you just got to figure out a way to do it. We have gone into debt to go. <laughs> Don't regret a bit. I mean, people always say, you know, they wish that these companies took bigger chances and whatnot, that it's all the safe projects. This project should never have been the fact that it exists at all is a miracle. This should never have been greenlit. It's such an incredible, insane swing for the fences that you know, Drew, Christine, and I we've said repeatedly the fact that we got to go on something like this in our lifetimes is unbelievable, unbelievable. And they absolutely succeeded in the show aspect. The marketing failed, but the show itself and the Imagineering and the Lucasfilm story group and the cast and the crew absolutely hit a grand slam. And this is one of those attractions that's just going to live on. Like, like you know, Jeff said, the people that have been on it are never going to stop talking about it ever. Yeah, from a numbers perspective, D- Disney can say that it wasn't successful but for the people that have been able to go and for the people that have been touched by Galactic Star Cruiser, it was a huge success. This is the most non-toxic Star Wars fandom that there is and might ever be. We are very tightly knit with with hundreds and hundreds of people that, you know, as soon as you mention Star Cruiser or as soon as you mention, you know, Wraith or Gaia or the Sublight Lounge, you are immediate friends. And that's because of the emotional undertaking that the cast and crew went through in their training to be able to bring all of those emotions out of us. And we could not be more grateful. Eric. I think 
I can't remember who said it, but saying that Galactic Star Cruiser was a test bed in many respects, I think you're onto something because Disney can at least say, well, we perfected this tech. We can put it somewhere else. We can bring it into other aspects of the park. And I think that's how they're going to spin it going forward. And also, and this is something that I didn't think of until just now, uh, there is a huge community of Star Wars room builders uh-huh. that that will do that will do up their garage or their man cave or their movie room or whatever to to look like Star Wars. And thanks to the Halcyon, they have so much inspiration to pull from. Uh-huh. And it, there, I'm, I am part of one group on Facebook, and I see a lot of Halcyon-inspired projects. So I don't think that it's ever going to be forgotten. Right. It's, it's even by people who never set foot on it. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I, I hate to say. Well, I don't hate to say that Jeff's right, but Jeff's right. It's going to be abandoned. It's going to be like one of those places like Adam the Woo decides he's going to sneak in and, <laughs> and and risk getting arrested for a few likes on TikTok. And, and it's going to stay a derelict until until it gets bulldozed. Jeff? At, at, at no time did I ever want the Star Cruiser to fail. At no time did I ever say that Disney was wrong for doing this. Disney Disney was, again, they had just this wonderful idea. When they made that announcement at the D23 Expo, like every other one of you, I was so excited for this. I mean, my blood was just pumping. And then in 2021, when they came out with the pricing for this, they sucked all of that excitement out of me completely because then I realized I was not going to be able to experience this. And I really wish that Disney would listen more to their fan base. Sure, we're not always right, but a lot of the time we really are. We're wrong on occasion. It happens every now and then. But most of the time we're right. And it's because we want Disney to be better. Sorry, Jeff, you're wrong. Oh, wait, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that on this this idea and what Disney did, they were right. They were absolutely right, 100%. The idea is great, and I would love to see it in a different way that everyone can enjoy. Ken. I think everybody's covered it, uh, everything that we had on there. I mean, uh, I, uh, Jeff, I think you said it best there. That um, I want to, I want an experience like this that everybody can enjoy. That would be phenomenal. I, I'm hoping, um, like I said, I hope the technology makes it into the um, – Back into Galaxy's Edge at least. Or maybe the, this is the next expansion for Galaxy's Edge or something. Um, like you said, with the uh, the alien costumes and stuff, imagine now some of those characters, maybe it's not that character, but maybe now we can see a Rodians walking around at Galaxy's Edge that are actually able to talk to you and things. That's uh, that's what we need. You can take that um, the final battle, which I've seen videos of, just like everybody else has, and you could actually do that at Galaxy's Edge. Do it on one of the rooftops. Uh, if you go 
look at the different YouTube videos from the opening of Rise of Resistance, that same battle essentially is there. Exactly. Or you could do it, add it as part of the Rise of Resistance that um, as you're going through the ride, you see them fighting in the background somewhere there. An actual lightsaber battle happening while you're going through the ride. It, it, it was supposed to be something that happened a couple different times during the day in the park. So maybe they go back to that idea. I don't know. But I don't know. where they're going to go forward, I have no idea at all. Uh, for me, uh, I I am honored to to be a part of opening team, to be a part of Disney history with this, with Star Wars history with this, with entertainment history with this. It's one project, three different history making moments. Um, and I, I get to be a part of a very small group to say I was part of the launch team, opening team. Even with as little as my time was there, I was there for opening day. I saw the first guest walk onto the ship. I was there during some of the construction stuff. No, it still wasn't all complete when I went February 22. Um, I believe in the project. I I believe in the show. The, the cast members are great. The actors are great. The show itself is great. Uh, when we said together as one, we meant it. That's that's how much we we care. This is why, even though I kind of saw the writing on the wall early, I believed in the projects. Even though I wasn't there anymore, I believed in the project enough that I th- I thought there was still hope to, for it to last longer, and that they could salvage. So that's what tore me up the most is there was no attempt to salvage. They just gave up and it's Disney giving up on the ship and not the ship failing. So and on that note, gentlemen, sounds like there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right. Cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull out. No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2!